friends. Welcome back to the Radical Radiance podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca George. It is a very, very, very long awaited for and special day around here as we celebrate the launch of Do the Thing, gospel-centered goals, gumption, and grace for the go-getter girl. I am so excited about today's episode. I brought some of the most special people along to have a quick conversation about their portion of helping to take the concept of do the thing all the way to the shelves as we get to hold it in our hands today. So we will talk with my agent, Blythe Daniel, my acquisitions editor at my publisher, David C. Cook, Susan McPherson. We talk to my developmental editor, Julie Cantrell, and my publicist, Jana Mudsinker. And so I think you are really going to benefit from this conversation. If you are an aspiring author, this is one you do not want to miss. We are really honest about what the publishing industry looks like these days, especially in the Christian publishing industry. And I wanted to do this because the reality of holding any book in your hands is no one person makes a good book happen. And there are many, many, many people who were a part of making this dream come true and seeing this book come to fruition. And I want to celebrate those people today as we get to finally hold this finished product in our hands. And so help me welcome so many special people to this episode, starting with my agent, Blythe Daniel. Blythe, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have you today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you, Rebecca. Me too. This is such a fun conversation. I'm so excited about this episode and getting to share with listeners, whether they're an aspiring writer, and this is a really helpful conversation as they take their next steps of faith in their own writing journey, or just friends who want to hear a little bit of what it looks like behind the scenes to take an idea all the way to seeing a book on the shelf. And so this is a logical place to start because you are really the first important person that said yes on this journey that, you know, led us to this book. And so as I think back over the last few years, I just, I think the best place to start is it was about eight years ago that I came to She Speaks for my very first time. And it was sort of that first I don't know, investment that I made in this dream of hoping to write one day. And I wrote my first book proposal and I met with you and I met with a couple of other agents and and publishers there. And um, I was years away from being ready to write a book, which I think is an important thing to say because the journey is often very long. And and that was the case in in my story as well. But um, But we did connect that very first time. It was about eight years ago. And so I would love for you to just share a little bit about your role as a literary agent for people who have no clue what that means or what that means in this industry. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that to get us started. I love this question because it is 
really like, what does a literary agent do and how do I meet one? Like it was so fun yes. that you and I met through a conference, which is how I do meet a number of my clients is that we share an interest in going to conferences and, and learning and talking and being around other writers, publishers. So yes, it was at a conference where we first got to sit down and have a 15 minute conversation. And um, sometimes people will refer to that as like the speed dating of publishing. Yeah. <laughs> I call it the shark tank of publishing. <laughs> That's probably a better term, right? <laughs> It's, it's, it can be, uh, you know, frustrating when you really want to make sure that you get your words in and that you say everything yeah. that you want to say to an agent or an editor in one of those meetings. And I just want to go ahead and say this, that as a literary agent, I have those meetings too. I remember sitting down with my very first editor that I was pitching to at a conference and I had not been an agent very long and was sharing with her the projects that I was pitching and walking away going, oh my gosh. I I don't know if she liked any of those projects. I mm. talked the whole time. I didn't give her a chance to give much feedback. And so even as literary agents, we sometimes, we look at the meetings that we have with editors of publishing companies and go, oh gosh, do you think that they liked anything we just presented? Mm. Um, how, to, how can I read their posture or the way that they responded? So first of all, a literary agent is someone who is an advocate for a writer and a literary yeah. agent is someone who's the go-between, a writer and a publisher. We pitch projects to acquisitions editors at various publishing companies. We talk with the editor about the content of what we're pitching. We may even talk with the editor about making adjustments to a proposed projects. And mm -hmm. then there comes the day that we may get an offer from an acquisitions editor at a publishing company, and we help negotiate the offer and then the forthcoming contract. So we are involved in the business side of it. But one of the things that I love about being a literary agent is helping to shape content. And you and I did this some um, with your book, which was so fun. Yes. When you presented your proposal to me that probably – was that probably like two, two years ago or so? Yeah. And we looked at it and we said, okay, are there other books that are saying something similar? Are there, are there words that we might should stay away from that kind of get categorized in do the thing, calling, purpose? Like what would be the phrase? What would be the things? And you came up with some brilliant ideas. Um, and I, I think one of the things that helped me when I was pitching your book is that you had some material in your book that was different, um, an angle yeah. that was different from some of the other books. So when I would pitch your book, I don't know if you know this or not, but I would no. use that as, hey, you know what, you might have other books on this topic, but this this chapter is actually really different. And this became the conversation piece with um, some of the editors that were like, gosh, we haven't heard people talk about how do you walk away from something? How do you end something well that you sense that that season is over? And there's really not a lot of books that talk about that when we talk about calling and, and, and doing the thing that God's put on your heart to do. So, so there was something intriguing, not just in your whole concept, but even the chapters themselves, the way that you presented your content that editors picked up on, wow, this is something that we don't see in other books. And that is a literary agent. That's what we look for are those nuggets, those angles that we can say, gosh, not a lot of people are saying this, or this yeah. is what makes this project unique. And that's really my passion is to look for that nugget and yeah. 
and to help represent it to publishers and, and ultimately help that author um, get their book published and marketed. So that, yeah, that's no, that is, that is absolutely your strong suit. That was one of the things I was so thankful for when we worked together was just your eye for that, for seeing sort of the thread that was kind of underneath the idea, right? And pulling on that until you had enough meat to really have, you know, a project to present. And something that somebody said on a podcast a few weeks ago, we were recording, has stuck with me. And it reminds me of something that you're talking about. We were talking about this idea of, you know, so many times in our calling, we can think, oh, well, there's there's already people out there writing on so-and-so or doing so-and-so maybe better than I could. And that's a real struggle no matter what, you know, you feel called to do. We, we face that, but we certainly face that as writers, right? There's nothing new under the sun that's not already been written. But I had somebody tell me this, and it's I've thought about it so many times, and this might be helpful as an agent, as almost an illustration. They said, you know, take a look at the Gospels, right? We look at the Gospels and we see different accounts of the same story. And God saw fit to include that in his inherent word, in the inherent word of God, right? And so if that was true for the Gospels, that's true of us too, as we faithfully take next steps in our writing journey, and we might feel called to write on a certain topic that's you know, ink has been spilt over many, many times over, but God has equipped you with a community of people and readers and words and life experience that you bring to that that's different from anybody else. And so that's the thread that I think you have to find, you know. And so I think for somebody who's coming to this episode and does aspire maybe one day to write a book and maybe they feel frustrated or discouraged in that. I just wonder how you would encourage them because there's so much. That's another piece that you do so well is this process can be so discouraging, whether it's somebody's already out there doing it or my platform isn't big enough. There's so many things that can become overwhelming. So how would you want to encourage somebody who just feels that today? I think I would want to say to someone who's feeling discouraged, maybe you've already pitched a project to an agent or to an editor and it didn't get the response that you hoped for, or you're just not sure that you're going to be able to commit to the entire process of not just writing a book, but marketing it as well. And it just seems overwhelming. And how would I get from point A to point B? I just want to say that when God put something on your heart and it becomes a burning passion, he mm. will provide the way for you to move forward. It might not be in the conventional way that you think about. It might not be what your friends or your peers have done, but genuine, you know, care for a message that God's put on your heart that he wants you to share. He will shepherd that well with you when you yeah. submit it to him. And so I think sometimes we all can kind of get caught up in the, it should be done this way, or this is how I've seen others do it. But but God, he doesn't do the same thing twice, right? You think about all the different writers mm. that are out there and all the different books. There's, there's typically not a duplication of exactly the same experience, exactly the same publisher, exactly the same author. So 
God looks at us as individuals, and I do believe that he looks at every individual book as unique. And so maybe your path isn't going to be what someone else's is, but that's okay when you submit it to God because he will take you places that you'll never be able to get to on your own. And he'll Mm -hmm. open doors for you when you submit to him. I think the one thing that I see people doing, and I've, I've been guilty of this at times too, is striving and when we strive to do something just maybe in our own ability, it doesn't typically go anywhere. But when we hand it over to God and, and, and pray and ask him to open doors and ask him to introduce us to people and, and ask him to take what we offer, I believe God honors that in a way. It yeah. really reminds me of some of the gospels that you're talking about, which I love. I've been reading through just the various accounts and noticing things that I haven't noticed before. And... One of the things that I was noticing recently is that when um, the disciples, when fear came in, that's immediately when Satan would try to distract and disrupt and destroy. Mm. And so if we can guard against fear in the process of writing, in the process of putting ourselves in front of other people, we'll do a lot of good just just wiping out fear and, and handing things yeah. over to the Lord and recognizing his sovereignty. But I also think that, you know, Part of part of being able to say, okay, God, I have something that I want to share is what do you think this should look like? And I'm going to take away expectations that I have and, and ask mm-hmm. you um, to move on my behalf. So I, I think taking out fear, taking out anxiety, taking out approval, uh, those things are important to recognize that we're not, we're not building just something that will be our namesake, but it, it's really going to be to further a message that will you know, impact people beyond what we would ever be able to do on our own. So those are just some things that I I want to keep in mind. Oh, I love that. And I think one of the wisest things that you have told me and other people in the industry have told me that has served me well in the last couple of years is just that idea of holding everything with open hands and surrendering it to the Lord, right? Because there's so many points along the way that, you know, maybe an idea might shift or a publisher's expectations might be different than, you know, your original idea for a certain chapter or theme in the book or, or, or whatever. And then you get to pieces of the process like marketing and cover design and all those things that can feel, I don't know, like such big decisions because it's a, it's such a precious thing to you because it's something God's put on your heart. Right. And so I wonder how would you advise us just to sort of, you know, we can say hold everything with open hands, but that's so easy to say and so hard to live when you're walking through this process. Right. And so I don't know, I don't, that's not even a good question more than it is me calling out that matters so much. as You walk through this process, you know, I hear you. And I, I sense that that is something that people struggle with. It's not just even getting a book, contracted or written it's it's all the other details it's yeah it is the cover it's the fonts it's it's the design especially for people who are designers that really get it and you're such a great designer that you know I'm, I'm sure there were parts of you that were like oh man I wish I could just do this myself at times because I know this field but you know um I think I think for for many of us just this idea of that yeah, we can get caught up in in the things that are on the outside, but really what's most important are the words that are on the inside. And 
how mm-hmm. accountable we are for those words, because it is, there's a level of accountability when, when God entrusts us with, a, with something and it gets birthed. We, we are accountable for those words and we are accountable for the messages that it brings to people. And so, you know, I know it's easy to get hung up on, you know, titles and subtitles and covers and, and all. And sometimes that can distract us from people yeah. really buying the book because they they like the content or they, they need to know about the content. And so, you know, I, I think just remembering that when people are hungry, how are we reaching them with the needs that we see? And the, and it some of it comes from our book. Some of it comes from just submitting articles and, and doing the hard work of, of mm-hmm. meeting needs in places that, you know, maybe it's a speaking event or sharing with a group of women or a group of girls or um, men's Bible study, like whatever it might be, where we can actually go to people and share with them even if it's not a place that's going to bring in a large exposure or that it's not going to necessarily sell books, but it's going to be a place that God's called us to reach. And so remembering that a lot of times the things that we care about, others aren't really noticing as much, but what Mm. they have are those needs that we want to touch and we want to meet. And so I think being open to, you know, where God sends you, it, it may not be something that again is, is glamorous or, brings in a lot of turnout, but it, it's a place that, that you can minister to, that, that God honors your heart. And when we humble ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. scripture's really clear that when we we humble ourselves, that God wants to to raise us up. He wants to promote us, so to, so to say, that, you know, it's in that act of humility that um, that God really sees our hearts. And, and every yeah. time that I've seen authors or that I've been a part of something that, that, Others may look down on and say, well, I'm not going to do that. Or, That's not, you know, something that is a good investment of my time. Um, I, I think that I see more opportunities for us to grow as authors when we yeah. humble ourselves and put ourselves in places where we allow God to do things through us and in us. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just encouraging those who are listening and, and, and speaking it for myself as well, that um, looking ahead at, at what God has for us is is writing, of course, but can also be places of ministry, can also be places of meeting needs that we might not have expected when we set out to write a book. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes we can look at an open door or something that you know God puts in front of us and we can see it as insignificant or mundane at times, like you're saying, when I, I just don't think in his eyes, he sees it that way many times. And I I think there's doors in front of us every day and divine appointments that God puts in front of us every day to encourage and equip. And, and those, you know, in, in our, the trenches of our everyday life are no more or less significant than seeing a book on a shelf, you know? And so that matters so much. I love that. I also think that one of the things that has helped shape me to to really try and hear from God and sense what he's been calling me to both personally as an author and as a literary agent is asking God God what what do you want me to write what do you have for me in this season where do you want me to go and i think sometimes we say that we're going to pray over a project or an idea and we might spend a short amount of time praying and more time outlining and writing. And I'm just 
stating it out loud for myself and anyone else that that feels like this is for them is just to be able to more consistently ask God to open doors and show us in our own personal prayer time, like, what do you have for me, God? And be yeah. willing to shift and lay something down when you discern his voice. I mean, he speaks to us through scripture, but I also hear his voice as I as I pray. And sometimes I'm not even expecting to hear it. I might be doing something and he totally yes. interrupts. And, and it's just so obvious that he's speaking. And so being willing to, to risk and being willing to just invite God daily into the process, not just maybe at the beginning or as it, a book is about to be launched, but yeah, just that constant communication with God of, is this what you have for me? And, and what else do you want to show me? What, what do you want me to focus on that I'm not? And I think those are big moments that God honors us when we do ask him those questions. Yeah, I do too. There's a quote from the book that's coming to mind as you say this, because I think so many times we can feel like it's it's all on or it's all up to us and just inviting him into every step of this process is so crucial. And the line from the book says, the outcome is his, the obedience is yours, right? Yeah. He is sovereign over every detail of the process. Our job is to take the next logical step of obedience over and over again as he continues to lead and direct us. And so that's such an important truth to remember and so as we get so much closer to getting to hold the book in our hands, the day that this releases will be launch day, which is so exciting. I wonder as you think about the topic of the book and um, just what God says in his word about our calling and connecting our gifts and talents to how we're building God's kingdom, what makes you excited as you see this message come out into the world? I am so excited about this book because I think you speak to the heart of what many of us have felt, which is, I don't know if I have what it takes to do what I feel called mm. to do. And and you mentioned this earlier was, if there's other people that are already doing what I want to do, what what does it matter if I do or don't do what's on my heart? And it isn't that God needs us to do something for his kingdom just because he wants us to work hard and, you know, and put ourselves out there. But what would happen if you didn't do what's on your heart? And I think you're inviting us to explore that in this book, Do the Thing. I also feel like you've really helped us work through the steps to consider. And, and it's not big and lofty. It's very practical mm -hmm. and tangible. And I love the way that you just draw us in to what is uniquely put on our hearts and how we match that up with what God's word says. I think so many books can sometimes feel like this is the steps and this is what you're supposed to do. Whereas you invite us in to have some white space and ask mm. God, what does this look like for me? What are you saying yeah. in this passage um, for me specifically to do the thing that you've called me to do? And you've empowered women because you have done this on your own. So first of all, you have some experience to share and you also just have a very relatable style. And I think women are going to find that so refreshing that it's coming from someone who is walking with them through the process and mm -hmm. giving them things to think about that isn't just a do this type of thing, but there's freedom to explore. And that's what I love yeah. about what you bring. And this book, Do the Thing, is just going to be such a breath, fresh breath of air for people that have maybe tried some things that haven't gone well. And, and maybe they're feeling like a lot of voices are saying, you're not worth 
much if you don't do X, Y, and Z. And you've dealt with things in your own self-image and you've dealt with things that you talk about where people can see that it this isn't an equation to excel or be successful or be known. It's invitation to partner with God in your creative aspects. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about it. And I love that we have a lot of white space. Like you're saying, that was really important to me. And I'm, I'm thankful for how David C. Cook decided to organize the book and allow for that at the end of each chapter, because I think, like you're saying, it's not a book and it's not material that we just read and sit on our coffee table and wash our hands of, but it's, okay, Lord, how are you speaking to me through your word and through these truths? And how do I live differently because of what you've revealed about yourself and and what that means in my life. And so I'm so excited for that. And I just can't even begin to tell you how thankful I am for you. And I'm so aware that this would not be a book that we get to hold in our hands today if it were not for you saying yes and seeing potential and what God had put on my heart. And um, I'm just so thankful for your investment in me and how that has just paved the way for God to do a work and, and open the door um, for this dream to come true. And so I just, I cannot say enough how grateful I am for you. Thank you so much. And I'm so grateful for you, Rebecca, because you really have, you've been a humble servant. You've been a servant leader. And I love the fact that when we met, you knew you wanted to write and you were asking God, is this the book or is there a different book? And I know we went back and forth a little bit with topics and ideas and your place of ministry at those times. And the thing that I love, especially about the timing of your book is that mm. you didn't just set out and go, okay, I'm going to write a book, but you did the hard work of really living the story first and, and really cultivating relationships and you were patient and I think that's something that for many of us, we struggle with when is the right time to put together a book? When is the right time mm. to move forward? And I love that you had years of preparation, years of study and cultivating the message that it wasn't just something that you decided to put together and then, you know, push it out to an agent to take a look at. Like, I just want to encourage women that what's most important is your relationship with God and yeah. your building opportunities with him that he's calling you to. And if a book comes out of that, great. And Wonderful. it might be more speaking or it might be writing articles or it could be starting a ministry. There's so many different things that can happen. But I think when we put God first and we spend the years like you've done, Rebecca, investing in him and his and time in the word and, and really pressing in, then you'll see what God has next for you. And so I love that you've lived the book in addition to writing it, you've really worked hard, um, not in a striving sense, as we talked about, but just really making right. sure that you were doing the things that God called you to do. So I'm just so excited for you, so proud of you, and cannot wait to hold the book in my hands. Oh, me too. I cannot wait. I'm so thankful. And yeah, it's it's just a timing thing. It's a God's timing thing. And I'm so thankful that I didn't write the book that I probably would have written back in 2015. I was not ready, right? And so to the listener who feels discouraged, you know, just keep taking one step in front of the other because I, I can now see how God was preparing my heart and forging things in me that were very necessary in order for me to 
write this book that I couldn't have written eight years ago. And so, um, that's a, that's a very important part of the process. And so I'm just thankful for his timing and thankful for you. And I'm so excited to share this episode with all of our listeners who um, just want a little bit of a taste of the behind the scenes. There's a lot that happens behind the scenes of any book that you hold in your hands. And so I'm so thankful to get to share the stories of the people that got to be a part of this project. And Blythe, you were the um, the first, like I said, the very important first yes that led to this project. And so again, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. What an honor. Next up, we will be sitting down with Julie Cantrell. Julie is a multiple award-winning New York Times and USA Today best-selling author, editor, story coach, TEDx speaker, and ghostwriter. Her novels have earned starred reviews from Publishers Weekly and Library Journal and have been featured in top reads lists by LitHub, Redbook, Southern Living Magazine, Real Simple, Book Bub, HuffPost, USA Today, and more. As a novelist, she's received two Christie Awards, two Carol Awards, and the Mississippi Library Association Fiction Award. And I get to call Julie my editor. I can't tell you what a gift she has been to work alongside throughout the part of the process that we talk about in her interview, which is developmental editing. And so if you are an aspiring writer, if you dream of writing a book one day, this is a great part of this conversation to listen to. She shares a lot of great wisdom and advice with us. And I just, I can't thank her enough for what she did to make this book what it is. And so let's welcome Julie Cantrell to the show. Julie, welcome. I am so excited to have you today. Thank you for being with me. I am thrilled and honored, Rebecca. Thank you for sharing this time. This is so fun. I got to work with you during the portion of this process, which is called developmental editing, right? And so when I sent my manuscript off to my publisher and they came back to me and said, okay, here is your developmental editor, this amazing woman named Julie Cantrell. You, You read the book. You were the initial pass, right, of edits and... For somebody that's not in this world who might not know sort of the path that you go down with traditional publishing to go from concept to shelf, right, might not realize what all is involved. And so I would love to start by having you share a little bit about your role as a developmental editor and what that means at the stage of the book where you received that big word document and we started working together. Exactly, you know, you said it well. I think one of the things, when I wear my author hat, one of the things that was most surprising to me coming into this industry as a debut novelist was how many people touch this book and are a part of this production to get that story from your brain to the reader's hands. It's amazing (laughs) the lengthy process that's at play behind the scenes that you're right, nobody would understand or know until you're in it. So you're right, I I get the manuscript from you through Cook, and then I go through several layers of editing actually. I work as the developmental editor and also the line or substantive, substantive line editor for your manuscript. So first thing I do as a developmental editor is kind of look at the big picture. So I want to ask, you know, what is the 
the goal of this book, mm -hmm. the why behind this book. What are we trying to achieve by putting this, this book on the shelves? And in order to get that big picture view, I need to kind of figure out what, what is the goal of you as the author sending it out there and mm. what is the goal of the reader reading the book on the other end. So it's a team sport, right? You throw the ball yeah. and they catch it. And so you have to think about the needs of both ends. And because yep. I'm kind of the bridge between the author, the reader, and the publisher, I also have to think about the publishing company's needs. How do we produce a product that's you know marketable, fitting the needs of the market right now, able to uh, fit in a certain space on shelves in today's mm. stores and that kind of thing. So it's a little bit of a puzzle to put it all together mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. make everybody happy and that's kind of impossible, but it is so fun. It is so yeah. much fun to work with authors like you and rewarding to, to help, you know, shape that story into what in the end we hope is the best it can possibly be mm. and to go out and deliver your message to readers in the way that you envisioned it all along yeah. you know, and stay true to your voice and your goal and your scope yeah yeah and I absolutely felt like that was the case with my relationship with you the thing that I found um I just found myself so thankful for is that you are a writer yourself and so I think your perspective and coming to a project remembering what it felt like to get back a manuscript that you know an editor had ripped apart and handed back to you or it, maybe it felt like in that moment you you are so compassionate and so knowledgeable and I learned so much from you while also not feeling like I was compromising the message or my voice or anything like that I've told some friends along the way I think the thing that God really showed me at least this first time around was you know, you might be the expert on your idea for your book, right? Like you might be coming to your project as the subject matter expert of whatever the thing is that you're writing about, but like, you're not an expert on writing as <laughs> a first time author, you know? And so I, I think, I don't know, just to my friends who are walking down a similar path, coming to your project, being coachable and being willing to receive that feedback for me, it made the process so much more fun. I don't know. Would you agree? I think you get what I'm saying. Do you I know do. what I mean? I yeah. do a hundred percent. And I do know how it feels. You know, you're pouring out your soul and giving it yes. to us. And then it's in my hands. And it's really easy for me as in, when I'm wearing my editor hat to just pull it apart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then throw it back at you without any kind of understanding or compassion, how that feels which a lot of editors, I think a lot of people who haven't ha been on the receiving end of that don't know how it feels. It mm. is so personal and it's so emotional. And when you get it back and it's all marked up and changed, sometimes even the littlest word change feels like a gut punch because that's not the way you would have said it. Yeah. <laughs> right? You feel yeah. like someone's taken over your voice and they're, they're silencing you. And that's a terrible, horrible feeling. And so what I try and I hope I'm able to do is work hand in hand with authors like you on the t you know it's much better when I have direct communication with y'all as I have with yes. you and that way I can help explain that any time it doesn't feel right to you go with your gut go with your yeah. instinct it's your project and you have to follow your heart only you know the true vision the true calling for this project so I can yeah. offer guidance and I can offer professional expertise after being in the industry for 20 years in various capacities but in the end, it's your name on that book. It's your baby. Yeah. 
and yeah. I and just like a parent with a child, doctors can give you advice, teachers can give you advice, but they don't know your child better than you know your child. So I see it as a, a mother-child relationship, honestly, yeah. with you and your book. Yeah, it uh, yeah. really is. It that's is. a good way yeah. to that's a good way to put it. And I'm thinking again of all my friends listening who dream of writing a book one day, or maybe they're at a various stage of this process right now. As you look back over your journey and all the authors you've worked with, what would be some of your advice to someone walking down this path? Well, I I do have a little advice for that. You know, I came into it so green and not knowing anything. And I learned Mm. kind of after diving in the deep end how to swim, um, which is one way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. um, And I'm a perfect example of that. But if uh, I were to come into the industry today, I would take some time to to really dive deep and learn kind of how these steps work and what to expect and um, talk to people about, you know, what the best way is to work with all the people involved. I would learn to choose my battles. I think sometimes people let ego get in the way, not you at all, but even I have as an author gotten sure. offended at times, you know, by feedback and thought, in my early years, you know, I would take sure. it personally every now and then. And I had to learn to choose my battles and which things to listen to and which things to kind of hold my ground on, which is fine. That's how you should get, you know. Yeah. But but if you but if you fight back about everything, if you're making it about you instead of about the story and the reader. And so I think ultimately we have to remember it's really about the reader. It's really yeah. about the value we bring to them. That's the whole point of writing and publishing a book. It's not about us as authors. It's about what we're doing to help our readers find the answers that they're looking for to the problems Mm. they have in their lives. So that's what we have to keep front and center. Yeah, I agree. That's so good. Okay, so you have read every word of Do the Thing. You were the first (laughs) pass. And so you are very familiar with the message of the book as you think about just getting into people's hands. What makes you excited about the message of Do the Thing? Yes, I have read it multiple times and do many know times. every word of it. <laughs> um, because that's how it works, right? There's many, many yes. drafts that go back and forth. That's how it works when it's a team effort, you know, when it's a true yeah. collaboration. So, um, yeah, what excites me about this book and about you and your message in general to people through your podcast and all of your other speaking and everything is that you're encouraging and uplifting and elevating women, which is near and dear to my heart, mm. in a way that you're banking it all on the foundation of scripture, you know, yeah. which gives us the power to say, yes, God created us to be the fullest being we can be. And sometimes mm. that's not the messaging we receive from church environments, sure. which can be incredibly damaging to us as women, especially when we try to live out our gifts or our callings yeah. uh, to our fullest capacity. And so mm-hmm. I love that you're encouraging women to to empower themselves and embrace the gifts that we've been given, but to do so in a way that's humble and genuine mm-hmm. and generous and service-oriented. It's just yeah. a beautiful message that I think women need, especially in church circles, to hear yeah. every day, every day of our lives. Yes, <laughs> so I, I honor you for that. Thank oh, you. Oh. <laughs> You're so kind. You're so kind. And, and I agree. I think we see a lot out in the world about success or about going and chasing our dreams or, or whatever. And then, and then we see some similar topics as what we talk about and do the thing, but maybe from a little bit of a misguided, at least in my opinion, perspective, that's not necessarily founded upon scripture. And so 
I just remember reading some of some of those books that we see out in the world that might be very popular and, and just walking away thinking, okay, that might make me feel really good in the moment, but it's maybe leading me to broken cisterns that are going to run dry, right? And so how do I point myself back to scripture and see what does it actually look like for me to use my gifts and the talents to the glory of God to cheer other women on in my industry. God's called them to a specific lane that might be parallel to mine, but like both building the kingdom of God, what a gift. And, and so how to see all of that rightly and some of the challenges that we face as women when we do that and, and those are real. And so I am so excited about it. I can't wait for it to get in everybody's hands, which it will be today. Like when people are listening to this, they will have it in their hands, which is so exciting. So Me too. That's very uh, exciting, and I'm proud of so you, <laughs> for oh. sure. Well, I couldn't have done it without your wisdom, and so I'm beyond grateful. Well, before we go, I would love to give you some space and time to talk about your own work. You are an incredible writer yourself, and I would love for our listeners who are coming to this conversation looking for their next maybe fiction read or something fun to pick up, I would love for you to share whatever you would like to point them to. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. I love editing. I love teaching, but I also love writing. And so I did, uh, I have written and published pretty much every kind of thing you can do from uh, <laughs> historical fiction, contemporary fiction, children's books, creative nonfiction, and, and been a part of lots of nonfiction and collaborations and memoirs and things like that. So Yes, I've pretty much done it all. I would say, I guess my latest novel is called Perennials. It is set in Oxford, Mississippi, where I last lived before moving to Texas. And it's a Southern story about uh, a family that's dealing with some estrangements and some longstanding hurts. And they come together for the parents' 50th anniversary. They spend mm. three weeks together and we get to see what happens in those three weeks, putting this system back together after so many hurts. Um, so I, I loved that story, loved writing it, loved uh, celebrating the beautiful town that I called home for nearly mm. 20 years. And um, yeah, so I think that's where I would point people, you know, just for a lighthearted, happy, it's still deeply emotional. I write character-driven emotional drama kind of stuff, but um, that would be a, an interesting place to start if they prefer historical fiction. Into the Free was my debut. And um, that's set in Depression-era Mississippi and explores a coming-of-age tale about a girl growing up in that era with a lot of uh, dysfunction, generational stuff to overcome. So either one, take you different directions. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Julie, I have told you this a million times, and I'll say it publicly. I could not have done this without you. This book would not be what it is without your help and your wisdom. And I just consider myself so blessed to get to work with somebody like you the first time around, right? Like I always, I always look back and think like, what a gift from God. Now that it's getting into people's hands, it's just exciting to look back and think like, man, God orchestrated even the smallest details. And so well, I'm grateful. You're very kind to say that, but I don't deserve that praise. I think Susan and Stephanie and the team at Cook have pulled together such a great circle of people yeah. and talents and they are pulling together so many wonderfully gifted authors that have such important messages to share through Esther Press for women. And I'm honored to play a small part <laughs> in mm. that process and just grateful for, for you and for what you've brought to my life and the story that you're gonna be bringing to your readers. It's a powerful, important message and I am going to be cheering you all the way to the top 
every step mm. of the way. And I can't wait to work on your next book with you too. Oh, <laughs> me too. So Susan <laughs> and everybody at the cook team, like within the cook team that's listening, we would love to work together next time. So. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, lots of fun with you, Rebecca. Yes. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Julie. I'm so thankful to have you today and um, just grateful for all that you do. Thank you. Ditto more. (laughs) For sure. I'm so excited about our next guest on this episode, Susan McPherson, author, acquisitions editor at David C. Cook. Specifically, Susan acquires authors that will fall underneath the Esther Press imprint, which is the imprint underneath David C. Cook that Do The Thing is underneath. And so we get to have what I feel like is a really helpful conversation about this part of the process. So if you are an aspiring writer, this is where I would encourage you to get out pen and paper because Susan shares so much wisdom about what the process looks like. I think sometimes it can feel ambiguous to somebody who desires to write a book but doesn't know where to start. And so Susan chats with us for about 30 minutes about her part of the process, which I find so helpful. And the most important thing that I want you to hear me say before I welcome Susan in, I tell her and have told her this privately and publicly, is do the thing wouldn't be in the world had she not said yes, right? So after my agent, Blythe, you just heard from after we worked together to get my book proposal to a really good place Susan was the next person to touch it and so had she not said yes we would not be holding this book in our hands right now and so I am so thankful that Susan took a chance on me as a first-time author that David C. Cook took a chance on me as a first-time author and so walking into this for the first time I cannot think of a better partner than Susan, and so I'm so incredibly grateful for her. So help me welcome Susan McPherson to the show. Susan, I am so thrilled to welcome you to Radical Radiance. Thank you for being with me. I am thrilled to be here. Always love spending time with you, Rebecca. Me too. I feel the same (laughs) way. I am so excited about this episode and just sharing with listeners a little bit of the behind the scenes, right, of taking a book from concept all the way to a shelf. And the reality of that is you play such a pivotal role in that process, right? And so first of all, I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for not only we get to do business together and we get to (laughs) do this work together, but also I, I see you as a friend and I'm so thankful for the time that we've gotten to spend together and just value your wisdom so much. And so this book wouldn't be in the world had you not said yes, right? And right. that, that is not lost on me. And so um, I would love to just start by talking a little bit through your role with Cook and sort of yeah. how that plays into the overall picture, right? As we're saying of taking a book from concept to shelf. Right, right. Well, let me just start by saying I feel the same way, Rebecca. I am just thrilled to be working with you. And I do consider you a friend. And it's just so much fun. I do remember the first time I met you, uh, you were in a meeting, uh, you were um, working with or or kind of partnering with your agent, Blythe Daniel. Mm-hmm. And you had attended a meeting with one of our other authors. And we hung up on that meeting and our marketing director and I were 
Like, who is that person? We love her. She is so sharp. And so you impressed me right from the beginning. And so when Blythe brought your book proposal to me, Mm. I was giddy. I was so excited at the chance of possibly working with you on a project. And of course, you know, I listened to your podcast and and I just was thrilled to take a look. And so as an author acquisitions editor, I'm always on the hunt for yeah. the next great book. And um, as the the lead on our Esther Press Women's Imprint, um, where we are looking for books that equip women to walk courageously in the truth of who God created them to be, do the thing, absolutely hit the nail on the head of what we're trying to do at Esther Press. Yeah. And so we were super excited. So my role initially is really to hunt down some good projects. Yeah. And um, thankfully, there are some great agents like Blythe who bring me projects. Sometimes I'll discover someone out in the 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 world um, in the podcast world or in um, maybe writing an article for a ministry. Um, So that's really what I do. And that's kind of the first step of getting your foot in the door at a publisher. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I'm wondering, I'm thinking of all my friends listening who aspire to do this one day. What does that look, I know we're going to talk a little, we've already talked a little bit about this in our conversation with Blythe, right? Because step one, typically within traditional publishing would be go out and get an agent, agent. right? Right. That would be step one. And so I'm wondering what advice would you give aspiring authors that might prepare them well for this process? So let's talk about the agent first. Um, So most publishers do not look at unsolicited book proposals. So getting an agent is really helpful for getting your foot in the door. Um, I always tell aspiring authors, get around the people who are doing what you want to do or who are in that industry. So writers conferences typically have agents that are doing appointments and interviewing potential authors. I think that's how you met Blythe. That is how I met Blythe. And I'll share, I mean, the 60 second version of that. I went to She Speaks in 2015 and met with her and it was a, you have potential, but not yet. I went back in 2018 and got the same feedback and worked two more years on my idea and building my platform and all of those things and reconnected with Blythe when I interviewed her on my podcast about one of her books that she had written. And it was at that point that we both agreed, okay, like I think there's something there and I think you're ready. And so let's explore this together. And so I say that to say it was about six years between the time I initially met the woman who would become my agent one day to the day that I actually signed as a client with her. Now I sensed the first time I met her that she was going to be a part of my story. Did you? I I truly did. (laughs) Now those are the things you don't say in a 15 minute appointment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But I just, I just felt like there was something there with us and I just initially clicked with her. She's an incredible incredible woman. And I've learned so much from her, but 
And I always felt that way. And I just really surrendered that to God. Like, God, if you see fit for us to work together, you're going to work out the details of that. Right. And, and it was six years later that it happened. So I say that and steady set the, set the tone for reality of what actually happens. That's great. Slow and steady wins the race. It really, really does. And it's, it's not easy to even get your foot in the door. This is the perfect example. Six mm-hmm. years it took, but it was that slow and steady push through, push through, keep working, keep writing, keep keep thinking of ways to to share your message and, and it happens, but patience is key for sure. Yeah. For sure. I love it. So once I decide on a project that I love, and I get very passionate about it. And I remember sharing with you, you know, I just see big things for you at Esther Press as being a, a really strong voice for us and for coaching women and inspiring women. I take it to our pub board. We have a t- kind of a two and a half step process, I'll say it like that. Sure. And so I present... Um, your proposal. I always liken it to the shark tank. I really am kind of that. That is it. I'm going into the shark tank. They are going to poke holes in everything about what I'm presenting. So I need to really prepare and make a case for the project that I'm so in love with. So all those elements. Stop and say, yes, that the reason they poke holes in it is because while this is while this is ministry work and there's a there's a tension right i think in right. the christian publishing right. arena in our little corner of publishing because not only is it very valuable ministry work it is also a business it is I, that's and the way we keep the the doors open. You got to keep the lights so on. Speak. <laughs> and so yeah. I, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to that a little later in the conversation. But I just want to point that out as you're talking. Excellent. But that thank you. That matters. I love you're you're keeping it real, and and that's what we we really need to do because this is hard work, and yes. it is a business. There is a ministry component. Um, so I take it to our pub board, and we really talk through it. How is this going to get to people? How are we going to sell it? And and we it really is important to us that the message is rock solid and biblically based too. Yeah. I mean that you know, like you said, it's that tension. Thank you. We want to make sure. <laughs> yes, <that>. absolutely. <laughs> and um, and then there's uh, if I get the thumbs up there, there's another step with a higher level that I go to, and then we work out the financials. Are those going to work? Mm-hmm. And then if I get the thumbs up there, it's it's a matter of getting signatures. And then I put together, if I get all that accomplished, then it's putting together an offer. Um, my goal, Rebecca, as you know, is to build long-term relationships with our authors. I'd rather like dream big with our authors and just continue to do fun projects. Um, With you, we got you for two books. So I'm super stoked that we get to work on another project. Um, You know, I'd rather be doing that than just trying to find new authors all the time. Of course, I'm always going to be doing that. But um, yeah, people like you, we just love to be part of our family uh, so once that happens and you sign a contract, then there's a whole process um, of editorial, creative, and marketing that we walk through to get your book on the shelf, so to speak, or on Amazon, as we say, or yes. Christian book, or <laughs> exactly. on the online re- retail circuit. 
Yes, I love it. Okay, that's so helpful. So for somebody who maybe they have an agent, maybe they don't yet, what do you look for when, you know, you're digging through your inbox, which I'm sure I don't even want to know what your inbox looks like on a regular oh, basis. And, you know, <laughs> what what makes you look at a proposal and think, okay, that has potential. And in that, what encouragement would you offer listeners about the importance of, I, I always call it the P word, right? The platform right. word. I do too. And, yes. and how do we see that rightly as we walk okay. into this? First of all, unique concepts always stand out to me. Yeah. Um, things that are different than what's already out there. It is a crowded marketplace. Yeah. It really is. So I'm looking for unique takes on even books of the Bible or, you know, if we're yeah. looking at a Bible study. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, Katie McCowan wrote a book for us called She Smiles Without Fear about the Proverbs 31 woman. Well, the Proverbs 31 woman has been written about over and over and over, but Katie had this whole new take on, you know, smiling and laughter and just, it was just a really fresh take. And so it stuck yeah. out to me. Yeah. Um, but those kind of things are really important. Uh, the other piece I really want to stress to aspiring authors or, you know, established authors, just yeah. always know your why. Um, number one, why do you want to become an author? It's a lot of work. Just make sure that your intentions are pure, especially in the Christian space. Um, it can yeah. be almost the hardest space. Um, I agree. People can be super critical. Um, so make sure you understand your why, uh, why you're doing it personally and the why of your book. And that really takes you into, you know, what is the felt need that you really want to address? Is that a relevant felt need? Has mm -hmm. that been addressed a million times over? What makes it unique? And then um, going into the P word, the platform, yeah. um, that's scary for everyone because a lot of people see platform as promoting yourself and, you know, just something a more egotistical. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, you do it so well. Your platform is all about your message. You're all about a servant heart. How do I serve my listeners? How do I serve my followers? And um, that is where the platform is just so important because we're here to make Jesus famous. Yep. And and if you can keep that at the center of everything you do, I think that is um, a healthy way to look at platform. And really, for aspiring authors, um, some of the things that I encourage them to do is to get out speaking. Yep. Get out and just start connecting, even if it's just your local MOPS group, um, just small, smaller yeah. gatherings. Really start connecting with women. I remember back in my day, the big conference, it was really the only conference in town. It was Women of Faith. You're yeah. probably, do you remember that at all? Yes. You're, you're probably too yes. young to remember a lot of it, but sure. I remember I would hear Sheila Walsh or Patsy yeah. Claremont speak, and I had to take them home with me. So I have their books on my shelves, you know, yeah. um, once you start connecting with women and then you're getting, it's kind of a two way street. You're really tapping into what women need right now and how you can minister to them. So I definitely think speaking 
Um, when it comes to social media, Rebecca, it, it really isn't all about the followers. It's all about the engagement. It's really okay. how are you engaging? So, so I might um, be interested in an author who her following might not be huge, but I look at like the women that respond and just what they're saying about what she's ministering to them about. And so that's wow. huge. Um, email lists are really, really big. Um, the more you can build email lists, um, writing articles, um, really tapping into the different, um, you know, opportunities to write articles for ministries. And then one thing, and this is super, super businessy, but yeah. w- one thing that you can do is start kind of developing something on your website or something where there's a transactional element. So um, I, I'm not crazy about that word, but sure. um, where let's say you have a downloadable guide of some kind where you can, um, I, even if you sold it for 99 cents or something yeah. where um, you can kind of gauge interest in, in people purchasing your what you have to share. And that that's always, it's kind of a tricky thing. But I remember there was a homeschool influencer that I was looking at um, on a project and she had done this amazing, it, it was um, a downloadable, I think she sold it for $2.99, but it helped homeschool moms yeah. kind of slow down. And it really gave them a map on their day and their week. And I'm telling you, Rebecca, when I was looking at her book proposal, she had sold 20,000 copies of that. And it was, it was really, it really showed us the publisher that she had really tapped into the needs of her audience. So um, does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And I think, you know, I can speak to my own part of that in pitching, I I think this project was done when we pitched Do The Thing. We did a, we call it the Shine Bright Journal that we gift to anybody who signs up for it. It's a free resource and listeners who are listening to this conversation have heard the ad for it probably 472 times, but (laughs) um, it's a resource that I created that I, I gift away on my social media. We do podcast ads for it and you know, the purpose is twofold. One, we want to serve our audience really well and gift them a resource that will get them in the word and help them process what does it look like for us to radiate the heart of Christ in all that we do. That is the main number one goal. The secondary goal of that is, I mean, I won't hide the fact that it builds my email list, right? Right, right. And so I'm able to articulate to you, Susan, I've created this resource for the women of my community. Here's how it serves and encourages them, but like, here's the numbers, you know? Exactly. It really does help. And it helps me in building my case for the shark tank, right? That's right. There you go. (laughs) And see uh, what I love that it ties into your brand. That is, I want the listeners to know, Rebecca is such a perfect example of branding. Even with Do the Thing with a book, you'll see the cover. Rebecca was very Everywhere. involved in that. <laughs> Everywhere. She she just has branded it beautifully. And wait till you see the videos that we did oh, that go along with the book. Wait. They're so good. And they're branded too. So yep. it's just a beautiful um, user journey for those yeah. who read your book. And yeah. I'm super excited about that. 
Yeah, me too. And I, I hope people who already have been a part of Radical Radiance or know me online would, and I think this is true. I think they will see the cover of the book if they haven't already and say, oh yeah, that's Rebecca, yes. you know? Exactly. Oh yeah, that makes sense that that would come out of this ministry. And so, and and also, I hope everything that you look, see, feel, touch over the next year or so within, you know, under my umbrella, it's like, oh yeah, that that all feels and looks consistent, right? Exactly. And so that's something that we've been working on as well. So if you look at the podcast art that you'll see, you know, behind this episode, the background image of uh, the new podcast art is the background image of the book cover, which is really the fun. Book cover. So it's uh, all very see, consistent. Exactly. And I, I also want to say this. You're a great example of how we like to partner with our authors. Rebecca's mm -hmm. been a great partner, and it's just been such a collaborative effort. And um, and when you read the book, what's beautiful is it's just so connected to you with the videos that we have of, that are easily accessed through QR code. And yeah. um, it's just going to be a wonderful experience that you can do by yourself at home. I know I'm going to go through it myself when I actually have the book in my hands. And I, it's going to be kind of my morning, oh, I, I'm going to do this every morning and, and just kind of get motivated to do the thing. Um, or you could do it with a group if you wanted. Yeah. So it's really... Yeah. Really yeah. a great project. I had a uh, I had a coffee shop reach out to me. I have a lot of things to catch you up on when we get off this call. Okay. I had a coffee shop Thanks. reach out to me the <laughs> other day and they are hoping to do a summer book club and go through it oh, together wow. and kick off each session with one of the videos just with women in our community. And I so so there's so much opportunity for that in the way that you've packaged mm -hmm. not only this project, but there's several others. She Smiles Without Fear that you yes. mentioned earlier was very similar in structure. And yeah. so are some others. Rachel Gilbert, a good friend of mine, she was recently, oh by the time people listen to this, she will have recently been on the podcast talking about her new book, Image Restored, packaged very similarly as well. And so um, I'm not only cheering for Do the Thing, but there's there's lots of resources coming out of Esther Press that are similar in nature for those yes. who are looking to um, lead a group through some sort I of I love setting. it. So and 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 you can you can do it on your own too. That's the beauty yes. of it. And we we really wanted to address the busy woman and just make make something that meets her needs that she can do easily. Yep. Yes. So I love it. Very good. I love it. So and it's exciting. free. I think we've said that, but it's free. The video content is a free exactly. resource to those yeah. who buy it, which I, I think is a really unique thing that I don't see elsewhere in the market yet. <laughs> right. right. Like right. we look back five years and there was, you know, the $150 leader guide that you had to buy right. to lead people <laughs> through video content. And I love that that's kind of going away because I don't think we utilize those to their full extent anyway, at least anything right. I was ever a part of. And so I love that, um, you know, there's at least something to kick us off and some really robust content that will, that will help when we want to lead people through something. So exactly. I love that. Okay. Excellent. I am excited to hear what, when you look at your role at Cook, what do you love the most about the role you play seeing a book come to life? Well, I am a relational person, so I love 
getting to know my authors. I walk you all through the whole process. I'm, I attend marketing meetings, and mm-hmm. sometimes you probably get sick of seeing my face at these no. meetings. <laughs> But I like to be involved. Um, So I, and, you know, I leave all the marketing to our marketing folks, but I like to just have kind of my toe in the water so I know what's going on so that if there's anything you have questions with or you want to address, you can come to me first. So I I love that part of it. Um, When the book finally launches, it's so thrilling to see it you know, that it is a real thing. And to see the excitement of the authors, I also love to go and read reviews mm. and, um, and really see how it's resonating with readers. And, and that's really a joy for me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I really feel that my role is a calling, Rebecca, we're a nonprofit mm. publisher. So we have a global mission. Um, with Esther Press, um, we our mission is to uh, serve women around the world, and and I, I can't announce this yet, but we just um, connected and officially um, decided on our first key partner uh, to support wow. um, uh, part of the proceeds of sales from Esther Press books. Support um, are going to be supporting um, women's ministry in Uganda. I can't say the name yet because we haven't made it totally official, but it's super exciting. So there's this missional component to all that we do, which is different than any publisher out there from what I know um, when it comes to serving women in ministry around the world. So that is really at the heart of what I do. So I feel like this is a calling and some days I just pinch myself that I get to do this and I'm serving the Lord and making Jesus famous. So that's the best part. Yeah. And I mean, you, you get to look out in the market and see like, okay, what talent can I bring in? What voices can I bring in Right, that are going to shepherd people as they continue to walk faithfully with the Lord and in their calling and with their body image and in their marriage and in their friendships and in their churches. Right. right? I I love the shark tank analogy. And from a business perspective, that's so good, (laughs) but you're almost a a shepherd, right? Like you, you are shepherding women through this process and, and not only that, but the byproduct of that is those women get to shepherd the church and into these conversations that we get to have. And so um, you play a pivotal role in that. And, the way that you view your role um, and the way that you are so involved to your point earlier was one of the reasons I was so excited to work with you, right? Because mm-hmm. I just sensed um, I just sensed something different within the cook team. And similarly to what I said about Blythe earlier. And I just really sensed that somehow we were going to work together. I felt the same way about you. And I remember talking to Blythe about it when we were pitching the book and saying like, I, I just really, and once we got a little further into conversations, it, God just made it so clear, like Rebecca, this is where you're supposed to be. And so I'm so, I'm so thankful for that, that we get to. I'm so thankful too. And I felt the same on my end too. And that's how it is. I I really lean into the Lord. And I've told authors who, and some of them have chosen to go elsewhere. And I'm a fan of so many other publishers. Um, Absolutely. I'm always 
just encouraging them to follow the Lord and where He's leading them, because that's really where we want to be, where He yep. wants us to be, right? So, yep. but I felt that with you too. Yep. I, I really felt a connection, and I just feel like it's a great partnership, and um, and. I look forward to dreaming more about the next project and hopefully the Me next. Too. And <laughs> Me too. So. Me too. I can't wait. Well, before we go, I am asking all of the people on this episode the same question because it's so fun to finally get to celebrate this resource coming out into the world. So when you finally hold that book in your hands, like we talked about <laughs> earlier, what makes you the most excited about seeing the message of Do the Thing going out into the world? Well, the heart behind Esther Press is kind of what Do the Thing is trying to help women step into. So um, I believe, Rebecca, that there are so many women that sit on the sidelines. They're afraid. They don't feel confident enough to really step into who God is calling them to be. And when I look at the world and where we're at today, now more than ever in my lifetime, do we need to be bold in stepping out into who God is calling us to be and what He's calling us to do and how He's calling us to serve. And so Do the Thing is all about equipping you to do that, to really embracing who you are, what are your gifts, how is God calling you, what does the Big C Church need from you? What does the body of Christ need from you? We are all those pieces in the puzzle of God's big story. And if we're not being obedient to what he's calling us to do, then, you know, he's going to look to someone else. And, and you know, of course, we trust that his story is going to um, move forward in one That's way, right. shape, or form. But I want to be a part of that. Yeah. So do the thing is really that rallying cry, let's do it together, sisters. And that's really the heart of what Esther Press is all about, too. We really want to rise up for such a time as this. And so I'm thrilled about Do The Thing. Like I mentioned before, the videos that you can quickly access on your phone with a QR code as you work through the book, Mm -hmm. they're amazing. You will be so encouraged by Rebecca and her message. Well, friend, I am so thankful to get to see it come out into the world and get to see Me what too. God does as women go through. Like, that's the whole goal, right? Like, I didn't right. I didn't give two years of my life to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to not, like, we are praying that God does something really big in, yes. in the lives of women as they walk through this material and they take next steps of obedience. And I'm so excited to see what ministries women get involved in or what things women yes. go start that they've sensed that God's calling them to, but they felt stuck in some way. I can't wait to see what God does as oh, I'm excited. I, I am so excited. Yes. Well, well done, I, my friend. <laughs> well, thank you. I, as I've said, I can't say this enough. I, it is not lost on me that this would not be out in the world if it were not for you mm. and your yes and your belief in me and the message. And so I'm just incredibly thankful for that and just so excited that we get to share a little bit of a little bit of how the sausage is made with people in this episode. And so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It was an honor. Loved it. Last 
but not least, I am so excited for you to get the opportunity to meet my publicist, Jaina Munsinger, and hear all about her role in getting this book into the hands of the readers who need it. Um, After spending just so much time getting the message right, I was so honored to have someone to work with like her to continue to put the book in front of media outlets and podcasts and opportunities to write blogs and things like that to get the message out in the world. And so I couldn't share all of this wealth of knowledge without including her as a part of this conversation because her role is so pivotal in the launch of a book. So help me welcome my publicist, Jaina, to the show. Jaina, welcome. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you for being with me. It's fun to be here. I feel like the roles are reversed for me. I know. This is so fun. I love having these conversations with just all the special people that have been a part of the process of going all the way from an idea and a concept with my agent all the way now to the book is going to be on the shelf soon and how are we marketing it and getting it out into the world. And you are such an interesting integral part of that. And I'm so thankful for you and just your your gift in that and experience in this area. And so I wanted to bring you in because for some of my friends who maybe aspire to write books one day, maybe you've heard of the, the type of work she does, but maybe you don't know kind of the ins and outs of what that actually looks like during a book launch. So I would just love to kind of open the floor to you and let you kind of walk us through what you do? Well, I have the best job in the whole wide world. I get paid <laughs> to, to read and talk about great books. Yeah. So that's really fun. I've been doing it for many decades. I studied PR in college and have been in this industry my whole entire career and have been in publishing um, for over 25 years. So That's so fun. It's, it's a good thing. So we start typically three months before a book releases and start working with the publisher typically sometimes directly with the author, but most of the time directly with the publisher and start reading and reviewing the book and seeing what the best media is going to respond the most to it. Mm, I love that. So as you are thinking about that very thing of what would make a book stand out, uh, for somebody, you know, very early on in the process, what would you share of like, hey, these are these are some nuts and bolts of things to be thinking about as you are walking down this path of book writing that would that would make your job a lot easier in the long run. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, the it's hard to promote a bad book. So I yeah, my best yeah. goal is to make sure the book is really well written. But we also yeah. have worked with authors that are really good at finding like for each chapter the really, what I call sticky statements, the thing that really does stick with the person. And so that you kind of remember. So I would tell an author that as you come up with your great idea and you've got this passion and this real vision that you really want to write, when you write, come in with the things that you feel like would be the hooks that the reader would really most identify with. It's almost like you're thinking as you're writing, what would be the call outs? Mm. Um, And you know what I mean by call out, Mm -hmm. uh, Rebecca? would be the, the, the piece of the book once it's designed that kind of is pulled out to say, this is the big idea on these two or three pages. So I, I tell authors all the time to look for those sticky statements. That, that is so helpful as a publicist. Yeah, I love that. 
Okay. So for some first time authors or maybe aspiring authors coming into a book launch, some of them, just because it's the world we live in, will have hosted podcasts and had a lot of experience maybe interviewing or, or being the interviewer in the past. And uh, I will say, I've said this to many aspiring writers, I'm so thankful for God's timing in when I started my podcast because it allowed me to just gain experience and learn from so many people along the way, which I think was just so valuable. So for somebody coming to the table it's maybe their first book and they don't have a whole lot of interviewing experience. As you think about that, like maybe what advice would you give them? There's a a real strategy about how to be a good interviewer. You need to make sure and have your um, statements concise and very specific. You need to make sure that it is memorable. So we tell authors, especially someone who's new doing this, is to write down, have notes that literally on the are on your desk so you yeah. remember, these are the stories that I wanna tell. When they ask me about these specific things, this is the story, and you may say, I feel like I'm telling, telling the same stories over and over again in the same interview. That's how you get good. I also say practice, practice, yeah. practice. And if you're, if you're doing this on your own, have interview questions that you practice with someone in real time until you feel so comfortable telling those stories and reminding people of the sticky statements, talking over and over again, what the, so what, that's what we look at, look at what is the, so what of the book? So what, so why is this book important? Why what you're saying? I need to stop what I'm doing and buy it. That's so good. And I think there is, um, there's something to just the reps of like doing a lot of interviews. I will say it for this book, I feel so much more comfortable now than I did two months ago when I was having my first maybe 10 conversations about it, right? You, you start to realize what's resonating and what's landing. Just because it's something that resonates or lands well with you doesn't necessarily mean that for a particular host it will, right? And so I think also thinking through you know, and you don't always have a whole lot of time to think about this, but let's say you're going on a podcast and the primary audience, it's a lot of moms, right? Well, I'm not a mom, but I can empathize with the challenges and struggles of, of motherhood. I have friends that are moms. And so I can chime in with maybe some, some language that really would speak well to that particular listener. Uh, I think that comes with experience too. Like I'm so much more comfortable doing that now and thinking through that, even just taking a couple minutes before I hop on an interview to think, okay, who am I talking to? (laughs) And how does this particular message or subject or whatever really land well with them? Does that, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. The best interviewees are the ones who know the audience. Yeah that they have taken the time to go, this is who is going to be listening to this and to really do the research. When we have authors doing interviews, we do try to provide that. This is the type of podcast, especially in the podcast world where we've we've teased, they're like the whack-a-moles. Podcasts are popping up all the time. And so we really try to do the research and prepare the author so that they'll know, okay, this is who the audience is and this is why this podcast is for ministry leaders or for women or for mothers or for young moms or for moms of teenagers or grown children. And all of those are very different type of listeners. And so to know who you're talking to is very, very important. Yeah, I agree. This is coming to mind. And so I, uh, you'll probably laugh when I ask this question, but all interviewers are not created equal. 
right? And so I'm thinking yes. back through, I mean, I've probably done 40 interviews so far for Do The Thing, and I have spoken with some incredible interviewers. And I've also had some interviews where I felt like, man, this is, this feels like work to just engage with this person, right? And it feels a little bit more challenging. What would your advice be in those moments where you feel like you are really struggling to connect with a particular host? Do you know what I mean? One of the one of the cutest things that I've seen a couple authors do is that they will compliment the interviewer. Yes. And especially if it's a question that they don't know, like, oh, this kind of came out of left field. You're kind of asking me something. They'll, they'll say, well, that's a really good question. You yeah. do a great job of asking or pulling out new things that I haven't thought about. Taking a breath and then answering it. It's amazing what yeah. a well-timed compliment can do to get that interviewer on your side. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I also will say as a fellow interviewer and doing my own podcast, I always appreciate when people call me by my name, right? Like, especially if it's an author where I, where I realize like they're probably doing a whole lot of media and, but they take, they take a second to say, yeah, Rebecca, that's a great question. You know, I just have always appreciated that. And so that's something that, I don't know, you learn certain like tips and tricks of things you enjoy being on the other side as an interviewer. And so then when you're in the other seat, it it's a time to really think through like, how do I care for the host? Well, how do I encourage them along the way? And so I think that's great advice. I love that. Rebecca, that's a very good point. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so good. It is. Though. It truly is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as we kind of come to a close, I wonder as you think about, you know, if you were sitting down at coffee with an aspiring author who, you know, it's their greatest dream to write books one day, or, you know, it's always been a life goal of theirs. And um, they're, they're looking for some advice, you know, at this stage of their process walking into it. What advice would you want to leave with them? I have been working with authors for 25 years. I have been in publishing. And the You've ones seen it all. who have I have seen it all. I really, I know where the bodies are buried, but the ones who really are, have the long-term success are the ones that write and continue to write and continue to practice their craft and to get editors to look at what they're writing, that they write blog posts, they write full books. They continue to practice that. Those are the best authors because they're committed to that craft. Now, I get that not everybody has that as a goal, that they want to publish multiple books. And that's the other thing that I would tell an author. If you know, I just want to get this one story out. It's the story of my parents, and it's a memoir, and I want to make sure that this story is out. But that's a very different thing than you're, if you're someone who's saying, I want to write multiple books on different subjects to encourage women or to encourage husbands or whatever is your audience. And then you think that's what I want to do is to to do that multiple times. And that's a very different type of publishing career. And both are very viable, but no, do the, do the time to really figure out what you want. And then that can help you open doors and figure out what doors you should shut and how to, how to make those dreams reality. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I always say no path to holding a book in your hands that you have written. No path is wrong. Right. And there's many different paths. Uh, and depending on what you feel called or, or led to write, that 
that kind of informs that. So I love that advice. That's so good. Uh, well, Jana, I am so thankful for you and just your gift of, of what you do and how that has um, just been such a contribution to the launch of this book. And there, like I've said many, many times throughout this episode, there are so many people that are a part of the process of any book that you hold in your hands. And I really wanted to highlight that as we get closer to this launch, because I didn't do this by myself. <laughs> and there's so many important people that came alongside and you're one of those people. And I'm so thankful and so grateful to have your wisdom be a part of this conversation today. So thank you for being with me. Rebecca, it is truly our pleasure. It really is just a delight to work with you in launching Do The Thing. I hope you enjoyed that special episode and I cannot wait to see a picture of you holding do the thing in your hands as it comes to your home and you open up your Amazon bag or wherever you ordered the book from please snap a picture with you and your book I'd love to see that feel free to post it on social media and tag me at Rebecca George author I can't wait to continue to hear how God speaks to you through his word as we continue to learn more about what it looks like to see our calling from a gospel-centered perspective. So I'm so happy to be taking this journey with you, and I'm so thrilled to get to celebrate this major milestone today as we celebrate the launch of Do The Thing, gospel-centered goals, gumption, and grace for the go-getter girl. And I can't wait for next week. We will be starting a 12-week series going through each individual chapter of the book. And the first conversation we're going to have is about chapter one called Heaven on Our Hearts. And we get to sit down with Michelle Myers, who wrote the foreword for Do the Thing. And it is such a special conversation. You don't want to miss it. So I'll see you then.